My guest today is Alina Bassi. Alina has always shown an interest in the environment. In fact, when she was 14 at school in conjunction with her dad, she made a film on, the, on climate change, which actually went on to win an inter-schools competition. Alina went on to graduate with a degree and master's in chemical engineering. So it's no surprise Alina is now an environmental entrepreneur. Alina, welcome to Business Questions. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem at all. It's a real pleasure to, to speak with you. I know you're in, in Berlin at the moment in the in the snow. Um, so <laughs> pretty much like we've um, had here in, in England for the last few um, few weeks. Uh, Alina, perhaps you could just introduce your, your company to us and, and what you do before we get started with the interview. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm the founder of a company called Clyderly. Uh, we essentially recycle textile waste into a plastic alternative, meaning that you can now turn your old clothes into new products, such as clothing, hangers, packaging, um, and all sorts of plastic products. Fantastic. And I believe that you started off the company. I like to talk about the, the journey you actually took to be where you are now as a, a proper company. But you went to a business accelerator to start with, I believe? Yes. So um, having not been brought up in Berlin, I didn't have the network that I needed um, to uh, within within Berlin itself. So joining a local accelerator meant that they connect you to uh, all, all the people you need within the startup scene, from lawyers to um, advisors to mentors to um, investors. So having joined the high tech seed lab. Um, I was able to get funding from the state of Berlin, but also that support for the first few months to really get started. And were there any sort of major takeaways you took from the Accelerator programme, which you really, you know, taken forward into your, your business today? What were your biggest learnings? Um, quite a few. I think probably the biggest one was how to tell the story. Um, that was the first time I had pitched the business to anyone. And I, I realized that there was a slight disconnect in how I was explaining it and people understood it. So um, refining that process by presenting to not just the people running the accelerator, but also all of the other startups within the cohort meant that I could really narrow uh, down how I would tell the story so it would make the most sense to everyone. And what sort of questions were you being asked? What were the most challenging questions that potential um, investors there or your mentors were asking you? I think um, initially I had the issue of people thinking that I was turning a fabric into a fabric, <laughs> which was a big disconnect. So I, I certainly realised quite early on that I needed to explain it in a different way because it's a new material. It behaves like plastic, but it's not. So that was a real uh, tough um understanding it might seem obvious now from the outset but at the time it seemed obvious to me but not to everyone else um the biggest challenges i had in terms of questions were usually why you why why are you the one who should be doing this why hasn't someone else done it and um i think that my defense has always been you know i'm a chemical engineer i've built designed installed factories before uh, with waste feedstocks that have never been used in that way. Um, I have a passion for the fashion industry. I understand the problem of textile waste, pro probably from having been a contributor to that waste <laughs> considerably in my past. And therefore, I really want to solve this problem in particular. Um, whereas, um, uh, so that's the reason why I sort of 
you know, feel that I'm a good person for this role in particular. But that sort of convincing when you're not so confident in the beginning of your journey is really tough. And only now later on, I've really um, grown in my confidence. Yeah, and obviously I think I presume your your background within the or having the, the degree in chemical engineering, but also the companies you work for after obviously put you in very good good stead and gave you the credibility um, that was needed. Absolutely. But you always get the question of, oh, well, you know, you're really an engineer, you're not an entrepreneur. So um, I always try and say that whilst um, entre entrepreneurship can be learnt, engineering is it's not something you can Google. You need to you need to go through that grueling five year course at university and then work in many organisations to to learn. So, I think I've learned the hard a bit first, um, and the other stuff I can figure out along the way. Yeah, and on that front on, on entrepreneurship, you actually um, after the, the accelerator program, you went on to the, a Google startup program, I believe. Yes, um, at that time it was strange. I. Uh, whilst I was enjoying the journey, I found it extremely difficult um, to, to, to speak about with people I knew. I felt it was definitely imposter syndrome. Now looking back, I realized that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even think I'd change my LinkedIn for a, like a good nine, nine to 10 months. Um, and at the Google program, my goal for joining that was to build my network even further and to meet other founders who are similar to me, who I can share the journey with. And that program was fantastic for that, meeting all of these young um, female entrepreneurs and creating that sort of solidarity and that network has given me so much more confidence and I certainly underestimated how much power that would give me until I had, uh, yeah, gone through the programme. And are you still in contact with those other um, entrepreneurs? Yeah, some of them are my closest friends now. So it's, uh, it's really nice to have met them through that and then to see them, their journeys and share my journey with them. And we all uh, have a WhatsApp group. We speak to each other regularly and you just learn from one another. Um, and you learn quicker when you're, you know, you're sharing your, uh, you're sharing your feedback and your journey and then vice versa. And is there a competitive element amongst you as well? Not at all, actually. Um, I, I don't think so. I think it's because we're all from very different um, verticals within the startup scene. So, uh, you know, there's not so many sustainability. There might be a few other, you know, deep tech entrepreneurs, um, and different fields so the competitiveness isn't really there it's more of a I feel like we push one another to do better. So you've done the accelerator program you've done google you've got your degree perfect what's the next step you have your your vision to turn clothes into a renewable product how do you do that was that um, hiring premises or you did it at home do you have a lab at home or what, what did you do? I did all of those. <laughs> so you start off really at the grassroots and then a lot of research, a lot of R&D, a lot of testing with different partners and outsourcing stuff and trying things out and, and then eventually working with different pilot plant companies and seeing if you can test things out in the way that you, you sort of tell them this is what you want them to do. So in terms of like, uh, the, the, the plants, etc., I know you're applying for patent for your for, for your um, technology. Yeah. How difficult was it if you're working with third party companies then to apply for a patent? Is that um, 
Does that make it harder? Certainly. The whole process is really difficult. There's so many barriers to entry and so much you need to, to calculate and to figure out. And to be honest, if I didn't have my degree and my experience, I think it would have been virtually impossible to do. So I'm so grateful that I have done that journey of working as an engineer for so many years because it sort of led up really well to what I'm doing now. So you've got the process, you've done that, it's patent pending. What was the next stage in actually taking it to, to market and actually starting to do it? So we've been producing lots of products with our material to see what, what the customers like, what are people actually engaging with the most. Uh, we've been talking to now the top 30 brands out there and I, I'm sometimes so overwhelmed that the brands I'm talking to are so excited about it. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. Um, so it's really exciting. I certainly think I thought um, it wouldn't have gone down as well as it did with them. I think, and that made me realize that the problem is just so well known within the industry and they totally understand it, that they are really just crying out for solutions like this. And whilst there might be fiber to fiber recycling, there might be other types of recycling. The problem is just so big that um, there needs to be so many more organizations in this space. So, and also the products you make obviously then can be recycled again by sending them back to you. Then your technology, say you're making, they've done sort of coat hangers and anti-theft devices. Are these some things, things which, unless initially you might, can you 3D print them or are you having to tool up machinery to do each individual item? Um, cool. Oh yeah, we can't 3D print unfortunately um so we injection mold okay so the obviously the, the tooling must be quite an expensive proposition for each each category you're going into absolutely yeah okay and so you're obviously it's clothing um how are you actually getting the the clothes is the the, the big retailers you've developed relationships with some of them i believe that what, what are they sending you is it um old stock that they can't sell or, or what's the process um, so our ideal, we can take it from the brands, but to be honest, our ideal thinking is why take something that could have been worn again? So our ideal partners are really charities uh, who have received donations from people such as ourselves. We've put it in this bin or we've sent it to this uh, charity. They have looked at it and thought, I can't donate this to anyone. So I need to, what, what do I do with it? And that's our ideal partner. So we've partnered with loads of charities within Germany. Uh, we are getting interest from brands and we will consider that. But at the moment, I think um, uh, just from a, a log logical perspective, it makes sense to use something that didn't have a life anymore, yeah. that would have gone to a landfill or an incinerator. And how do you minimize the environmental impacts of transporting the clothes to you? because we produce everything in Europe. And I, I know that that's something that people uh, uh, sometimes frown upon that, you know, you could just do it cheaper in Asia. Um, but we, our philosophy is we need to produce here, we need to produce locally. And so being, being located in Germany is actually fantastic for that because you've got so many different boards and surrounding you. So we keep everything local. I absolutely, absolutely agree. And I presume you're actually solving a problem for the charity shops because I don't know what the percentage is, but so many of their donations must be unsaleable and they'd be so grateful to have someone to take them away. 80%, 80% of it, they cannot donate. 
um, it's just not good enough to give to someone. Um, and they also said there's a disparity because uh, most homeless people are men and the donations they get are from women and children. So or mostly from women and children. And therefore there's this uh, disparity between what they get and what they need to give. And will you, do you have any plans to have um, your own clothing, um, depositories, clothing, uh, you know, banks, the big metal containers, which the charity shops have? Um, good question. It's not something we've really thought about because we just, we partner with the organisations that have those, um, but certainly something to consider in the future. And in terms of, um, obviously, I don't know the actual process of, of doing it all, but you currently have, have you had to change premises? Uh, how long will your current premises last you for in terms of size and capacity of storing the clothes before uh, the, the recycling? We have a really large storage facility, so luckily enough, we're good to go for a while. <laughs> Fantastic, is that, that good forward planning or, or, or just good luck? Um, a bit of both, I think. I think um, real estate here is probably a, a little less um, expensive than the UK, so it's not been too difficult to uh, get storage facilities. And I know you've got your got your first hires now. I think um, you have seven. Is that right? Seven members of staff. Yeah. What was the process like of hiring them? Because I think mean, a company such as yours getting someone with the right uh, the same belief system that that you have but also the right technical skills. How challenging was it to find the right people? Um, weirdly enough, we've been lucky in that respect that we get a lot of inbound requests to work with us, um, a few a week. And I think it's because people understand the problem, they like our solution and they wanna be a part of it. And I think the younger generation is also just more inclined to do something that's purposeful, that's impactful and um, could probably relate to uh, people like me as well. So um, yeah, we've been lucky in that respect. And how do you convey to people to actually, you know, if we have a, um, I won't name them, but there's a, a large retailer in, in England, certainly, um, you know, and it is just throwaway clothing culture. Will part of your business be to try and educate people that actually we should buy clothes to last a little bit longer? Absolutely. So we do uh, bi-weekly blog posts and then all of our social channels are really just dedicated to explaining that problem and um, explaining to people what their clothes are made of, how long it will last for the in the environment and, and hope that maybe they think twice before buying something again. And within your process, how do you plan to um, expand beyond Germany into the rest of Europe and then, then globally? Um, so at the moment we're doing a big funding round on Cedars and that will help us to finance um, expansion outside of uh, Europe. Oh, fantastic. Where would you hope to go to? Can you disclose that at all or? Well, the UK is not in Europe anymore. <laughs> so that's our first bet. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. And, and you've done, you've got the process then, obviously you've got, you've made another product. So you then got to sell the other product and make that, I presume, at a, a cost-effective price for the, the, the end user, the retailers. How challenging is that to do? That is challenging, um, particularly challenging because whilst, um, 
it might, I mean, solution, sustainable solutions at this scale are always more expensive than your usual, you know, oil-based plastic. So that has been a real challenge for us. Um, we hope that uh, with new laws coming into place, particularly in Europe, that uh, brands are more open to the additional cost of uh, purchasing our products. Um, but there's new laws coming into place in France, in Germany, in relation to waste disposal. So I think hopefully those will help us. And presumably there's actually, um, you can go to the, the large or larger corporates in the hospitality industry. Um, I don't know what the rate of um, uh, wastage is in, in, in hotel chains in terms of bed linen, but I imagine, you know, it must get destroyed in the, in the laundry process quite regularly. Yeah, but that usually gets turned into cleaning cloths. Um, that's this, uh, most likely the standard process for that. And you have to think about if it's clean or not. So we don't really tend to work with um, uh, bed linen or, or hospital bedding. Okay. And how does that impact clothes in the charity shop? I mean, the clothes you get in, are you having to wash them all first or...? Um, so usually the charity that we work with, they tend to make sure that things are, they're either cleaned or they would discard something that's not clean. Okay. So I think it's absolutely fascinating. It's actually wonderful, wonderful business and what you're doing. Uh, just a superb idea. I'm very interested in the, in the Cedars campaign. I'm certainly going to be, be looking at that. I can just see you taking over the, the world, especially this, you know, patent technology. It's, um, but when do you expect the patents to be granted? And is, is it global? Uh, so patents are a very complex process and people don't realise how long it takes. From, it all depends on when you first file it, but after that, it can take 18 to 24 months. But it all comes down to when you first filed. So it doesn't matter if someone filed something the next day, we kind of got that secure because of the date. So it's hard to say when it will come through. It really depends on how quick the patent office is. Yeah. And in terms of obviously it's your belief that you want the sustainability, um, would it be a quicker rollout once you've got the patent to then license other companies to use that technology and roll it across the world so much quicker? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we want to be able to share that because at the end of the day, we want to create an impact and we can't just say we're going to create an impact in Europe and not think about the rest of the world. Uh, you want to think about this globally because this is a global issue. Yeah. And once you've made that impact and you've got multiple millions in the in the bank, what's your, your bigger picture after that when, when you get to that stage? Yeah, I think um, I'd like to definitely focus on other uh, supporting other entrepreneurs like myself. And that's what I'm doing with uh, Tech in Colour. Um, I would like to support BAME founders actually get investment because uh, if you don't have investors within your network, it's really difficult to raise investment. And something that's never spoken about is warm introductions. And you need a warm introduction from an investor to get them, their attention. And that's what we're facilitating with Tech in Colour. We're um, creating these um, warm introductions and supporting founders get investment ready. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. And now we'll, we'll wrap up there, Aline, but thank you so much for introducing your, your company. I'm going to put the details below in the comments, um, in links, etc. And I think it's wonderful what you're, what you're doing. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me.